morning. My name is Pastor Greg. I serve here as the senior pastor, and it's my privilege to teach you this morning. Thank you for praying for me. For those of you who are aware, I was away last week um, preaching, a, preaching for a, a family conference down in uh, Duchesne County, and uh, we'll be preaching this week at Pioneer Bible Camp, so I do appreciate your prayers for that preaching as well. Thank you, Andrew, for reading Ephesians 5, verses 7 through 16. Let's pray, and then we'll study this passage together. Father, would you give us grace to know your mind? Would you give us grace as we read this passage and study it? I pray that we would walk as children of light, that we would allow the light of the word of God to shine into our hearts, that it would be a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. I pray, Lord, that you would drive from us darkness which threatens to quench the light. And I pray that we would take seriously the call that you placed on every Christian to make the most of their time, yes, but also to walk wisely and to walk according to the light of your word. Help us to bring our hearts underneath of what you're commanding us this hour. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, children, it is not a children's church Sunday, so as always, I have a little story for you guys. You, you guys grew up, many of you grew up here in Utah. How many of you did not grow up in Utah? You grew up in a, a different state, okay? A few of you. How many of you grew up in a state east of the Mississippi, okay? Not California or Utah or Wyoming or one of those states, but you grew up somewhere else. Okay, wonderful. Well, there's just a few of you. Well, children, I want you to know that I have a favorite bug, okay? Did you know that? Now, I know you might be thinking to yourself, I can't imagine there being a bug that you would like, but there is a wonderful, wonderful bug that we don't get here in Utah, and they don't have in California, I don't think anyway. They don't have in Colorado or Wyoming either. It's a wonderful bug. Do you know what kind of bug it is? It is a lightning bug. A firefly. We don't have them in Utah. Well, it had been years since I saw a lightning bug. And last year, right about this time, my wife and I were at this little camp in New Jersey, right alongside this big river. It was very humid, and the sun went down. It was getting dark outside, and we're standing in this field. And you know what happened? Lightning bugs everywhere. Thousands of them lit up the sky. Lightning bugs glow yellow in the night. They're totally harmless. They don't bite you. They don't bother you. They only come out. You can catch them in your hand. They'll even glow in your hand. It's a wonderful thing. How many of you adults love lightning bugs? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yes. Lightning bugs. You know, the only time I ever see lightning bugs is when they light up. It's hard to see them otherwise, and they're there during the day. But it's at night, when it's dark, that lightning bugs really begin to strut their stuff. And you see it at night. Well, children, today, in the passage that we have, Paul is going to talk to us about these two things that are very common in the Bible, dark and light. Children, did you guys know that the very first words of God that we have in the Bible is this? You guys know it. Let there be light. It's the very first words of God. 
And so today, children, the Apostle Paul is going to talk to us about light. He's going to talk to us about light. Well, we've been studying this uh, along, and uh, Paul has been leading us through this process of what it means to walk in the light. Now, he hasn't said that exactly specifically so far. But in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, if you look back at that verse with me, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And from verses 2 through 6, Paul begins to tell us what it means to imitate God. It means that we walk in love, that we, have, that we walk in integrity, that we put off the unfruitful works of darkness, that we speak with integrity and that we speak honorably. In other words, if we're going to imitate God, a heart of love for God that influences how we behave, how we speak, every part of it, every part of us is transformed by imitating, going through life, acting like God acts. Well, the Apostle Paul is going to further that today. He's going to say, there's more to this acting like God. And in chapter 5, verse 7, he picks it up again. He says right here, therefore, do not become partners with them. He's talking about people he just spoke about, people who don't walk in integrity, people who who, who don't walk in the light. They walk in darkness. And he's going to pick this up. For at one time, you were darkness. And from this point forward, for the next several verses, he's going to discuss the difference between light and dark. Now, friends, I want you to know that Paul is going to uh, weave the ideas together here in such a way that it's hard to say points one, two, and three. It's hard to work through this passage like Paul says this, then this, then this. Because Paul is sort of, um, he's not speaking in sort of a linear way like he often does. So what we're going to do is study this a little bit more thematically, and you'll know what I mean as we go. We've got three points that we're going to cover, and we're going to see how Paul develops these three points throughout verses 7 through 16. So if you like to take notes, there's, here are our points today. Paul is going to talk about the Christian ethic, or I'm sorry, the Christian essence. He's going to talk about the Christian essence. He's going to talk about the Christian ethic, and he's going to talk about the Christian outlook. The Christian essence, ethic, and outlook. And these three points get woven throughout these ten or so verses. So let's tackle those in order. Let's look at the Christian essence. First and foremost, from the standpoint of Christian essence, Christians, he says, are transformed people. Christians are transformed people. He says that, first of all, Christians were darkness. Look right here. He says, you were darkness, for at one time you were darkness. This word that he uses, I have on the PowerPoint the word were underlined, because in the original language, Paul is bringing that out. It's ongoing. From the moment you were born to the moment you were saved, you abided in deep darkness. You abided in ignorance. Dark in the Bible is often a metaphor for whatever opposes God. For example, in Exodus chapter 10, verses 21 and 22, darkness is a plague. 
God's word lights a dark path, Psalm 18, verse 28. And light and dark, according to 2 Corinthians 6.14, have no fellowship with each other. Very often, darkness is a metaphor for that which is evil, that which opposes God. It's not necessarily all wrong all the time. It's just anti-God. It's non-God. And so here, Paul says, listen, at one time, you didn't just walk in darkness. You didn't just grope, as he tells the Athenians, but you were through and through darkness. You were darkened in your minds. You were darkened in your understanding. Your path was darkened. You were contributing to the darkness that's around you. He says, but that's not the case of you anymore. You were darkness, but now, and there's no verb in the original, but now light. Paul is trying to show this dramatic change. You were dark, and now you're light. You're light. And this is a theme, again, that the Bible uses a lot. In fact, this is one of Jesus' favorite metaphors. He says, I am the light of the world. In John 1, 4 through 9, we're told that he's the light that's come into the world. In John 3, 16 through 21, he says that everybody needs to call on the light God who we're all living under his condemnation. When we come to Jesus, we come to the light. And then most famously in John 8, 12, Jesus says dogmatically, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. The darkness ran from the light. In fact, the darkness was so threatened by the light that it tried to kill the light. In fact, it did for three days. And then the light rose again from the dead. Jesus is the light. But Jesus says something more about this that Paul is picking up on. When he says, you are light. Jesus says something radical. In Matthew 5.14, he says that you, you, you who follow Jesus, you who listen to his words, you who have been born again, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Nobody lights a light to put it under a basket. We teach our kids this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. We get it from this passage. Jesus says you're light. You're light and you're to shine in a dark place. I wonder how many of us voluntarily quench our light we want to hide in luxury. We want to mind our own business. Paul's going to address this a little bit later to us. We're light. Light. We're transformed people. And this is the Christian essence. And he's saying, as you live out your life, as you behave a certain way, remember, you were a darkness contributing to it, abiding in it, affected by it. And now you are something totally different. You're light. The light is in you. The light shines through you. I want you to be light. That brings us to our second point that Paul is going to address to us today, the Christian ethic. 
because we are light, because we are transformed people of light, he says that as light, the light, people of the light, should have no fellowship with the dark. We should have no fellowship with the dark. Let's look here in chapter 5, verse 7. He says, do not become partners with the dark. Verse 7, he says uh, right here, therefore do not become partners with them. This word partners means to have fellowship with. It's just talking about intimate fellowship. Now the Apostle Paul, of course, is not saying that we can't do business. Uh, we have to live. We have to move. We have to conduct our affairs in a fallen world. The Apostle Paul is not advising us to receive. What he's saying is, don't hitch your wagon to that which is dark. Don't intimately ally yourselves with dark. Paul will say in 2 Corinthians, don't be unequally yoked with that which is dark. As people of the light, that determines who our closest friends and confidants are. We associate with people of the light. I always have grave concerns over Christians whose best friends are unbelievers. Something is Something is wrong there. Something is broken, and it's only a matter of time before the darkness quenches the light in that case. Never once have I seen it go the other way. In chapter 5, verse 11, Paul says, take no part in the work of darkness. Right here he says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Have no part in it. Or chapter 5, verse 12. Do not even speak of what is done in the dark. You're different people. You're transformed. You were darkness. Now you're light. This should affect how we speak, who our friends are, where we go, how we think, what we do. The Apostle Paul is saying this transformation that we've had from darkness to light, affects our ethic in every way. Furthermore, he says that people of the light consistently act like the light. In chapter 5, verse 9, he says their actions reflect the light. Let's look at verse 9. He says, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. If you're a person of the light and you're outworking and attempting to bring your life under the word and live it out, what will come is goodness and truth and righteousness, and that's a, a fruit of the light. People who walk in the light expose the darkness to the light. He says this twice. Let's look at verse 11 and 13. He says in verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Now go down to verse 13. He says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Part of the Christian ethic is to expose that which is dark and expose that which is evil and wrong. But that raises a question, right? When should Christians do that? And what does it mean? This word expose literally means to rebuke. It means to reprove. 
It means to show a person the error of their ways. And is the Apostle Paul suggesting that in every case, in every example of evil, we go find, uh, say, politicians, or we go to people we know are not walking according to the word, and we stand on the street corner and we rebuke them. Is that what the Apostle Paul is saying? No, I, don't, I don't think so. I think what he's talking about is internal matters, because in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he says, he uses this same word in instructing Timothy the pastor. He says, if a person persists in sin, and then he uses this word, reprove them, rebuke them. When we're walking in the light and we see one of our own who begins going astray in some obvious and repetitive and persistent kind of way, it is the light's responsibility, our light's responsibility, to woo them back to the light, to begin with gentle rebukes, to reprove people as we would a father, and then to increasingly ramp up the volume to do everything in our, under our disposal to restore that person into a proper and right relationship to the Lord. This isn't something that we do to people who don't want anything to do with us. We don't, we don't go imposing on other people's lives, but for those who have partnered with us, for those who have said, we want your voice in our lives, we want you to pour into us. For those, we say, okay, we will help you. And if it's a two-way street, if you see anything in my life that needs addressing, please address it in some persistent, rebellious kind of way. People of the light, according to verse 14, are lively thoughtful, and alert. Look what it says right here in verse 14. If anything that becomes visible, anything that becomes visible is light, therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. The Apostle Paul says that believers of all people are always to be circumspect, looking out, alert, awakened by the word of God and awakened by their Savior, Jesus Christ. That brings us to our third point, the Christian outlook. We have the Christian essence, the Christian ethic, and the Christian outlook. The Christian outlook is first and foremost inquisitive. Let's look at verse 10. If you're light, if you're light, then you need to be a thoughtful person, a thoughtful, curious person especially with regard to things of faith. Right here, Paul says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. What does that word mean, try to discern? Well, that word is used in Galatians 6.4, and it means examine carefully. I have a funny illustration to 
well, maybe it's not funny. I hope he doesn't mind me telling this. When Peyton was about six years old, he used to like to go on hikes, except Peyton is a little like his mother in that, so when I hike, I like to get up to a nice high overlook and I can look at everything. When Peyton's mother goes on hikes, she likes to look under rocks and, and bushes and leaves and she likes to find little critters and, and, and that's Peyton, okay? And so one day I was like, hey buddy, you wanna go on a hike? And he's like, sure. And so we got in the truck, we were about to head out and he goes, oh, wait a minute, I almost forgot something. And he goes running into the house and came running back out holding his magnifying glass. <laughs> and I thought, oh no. <laughs> We're not going to hike very far today. <laughs> and sure enough, we made it about 100 yards in about a half hour because Peyton wanted to look at every bug and every leaf and every flower and every rock through the magnifying glass. Now, I was more than happy to do that because he was happy as a clam with his magnifying glass. That's what the word means. Examining carefully everything. Looking at the tiny nuances. Furthermore, the, Paul says that in, I'm sorry, in Luke 12:56, to examine carefully means to interpret. Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees. He says, look, guys, you know that when the sky is red at night, what that means for the weather, but you can't read the word and see what's happening in front of you? You haven't thought. You haven't interpreted. 1 John 4, 1. John tells us, brothers, don't believe every spirit that says, I'm speaking for God. Somebody says, I'm speaking for God, and people go, oh, well, certainly he must be speaking for God. He said so. John says, don't do that. Don't believe that. But test every spirit and see if they're speaking according to this word. Now, friends, I, I, I really... If you'll permit me, if you'll permit me for one moment to be a little direct, I find that Christians get themselves in the most trouble simply because of a refusal to think. And when they're in the middle of that trouble, I ask them questions. And the most common response that I get is, I don't know, or I haven't thought of that, or silence. And I say, what motivated you? I don't know. What, why did you want to do that? I, I, I don't know. And there's a, at some point, in that person's life, it's not that they shut off their thinking about that one particular thing and it became a blind spot. They shut off their thinking with everything. And then this one thing comes up and knocks them down. And then they have to crank the entire thinking machine back up again. It's not as isolated as maybe you might think it is. The life of a person walking in the light is inquisitive, 
thoughtful, curious. I had a professor who taught a bunch of my classes. And he's, he's a brilliant man. His name is Dr. Bell. And he wanted to teach his students this lesson. You could ask him any question, and he would tell you the answer. He would even tell you the answers for the questions of the upcoming test, if you asked. But did you know it took most students until their third year of PhD studies to figure that out? Because nobody would ask. And then we would say, we would say, Dr. Bell, if I had asked you three years ago for the answer to that question on the test, would you have told me? And he would say, you have not because you ask not. <laughs> and we went, all that wasted time. <laughs> it was a, to be thoughtful. The Christian outlook is thoughtful. Ephesians 5.15. It's circumspect. Carefully filtering out the wise, the unwise for the wise. Circumspect. It's omnivorous of all things biblical and good. The Christian outlook, verse 16, is redemptive. Redeeming the time. Making best use of the time. Because the days are evil. They'll slip away from you. You can go weeks at a time and realize, I haven't done anything for the Lord. It's gone. All the time is gone. It's quick. This word redeem is common. Jesus says it this way. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day, John 9, 4. Or walk, John 9, 11, while you have the light. Psalm 90, verse 12, this isn't just a New Testament idea. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Redeeming our time, looking at our daily schedules, walking redemptively, trying to buy back every moment for the Lord, knowing that Jesus is going to compensate us a hundredfold for whatever sacrifices we make now. Trying to make the most use of our time. not hoarding to ourselves leisure and recreation and so forth, though those are very appropriate and you should have them. But when it becomes an addiction that's opposed to redeeming the time for the things of God and it's thoughtless, it's selfish, that is not light. The Christian outlook is inquisitive and thoughtful and redemptive. Now, I have a few applications, okay? I was thinking, I was thinking this week. Let's look at verse, let's look at verse 15, okay? Verse 15. It reads, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. The Greek word there, look carefully, it's lepete. Be on the lookout. Be watching out. It's the, the word that you would give a command to a watchman. Watch out. Be careful. Look out. Look out. Always be on the lookout. 
be watching carefully how you are walking. It's given. We're all walking through this life. So let's look carefully how we should do that. And you know, friends, I thought, how am I going to bring that home? How am I going to explain to our people how we ought to walk carefully? And that stumped me. And for days, I just walked around thinking, look out. Watch carefully how you walk. Watch carefully how you walk. How how do I make specific application of that to my people? Maybe afterward you can tell me a, a wonderful idea that you have, but I was stumped. And so I thought to myself, you know what? Maybe the Lord revealed it. Maybe the Spirit, who's the best interpreter of all, knocked on the door of my heart and said, you know what? That command, be careful. Be careful too. It's actually really common in the Bible. We're commonly commanded to be careful to do something. Or be careful how you do something. And so, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. We'll go through them quickly. But if we're to be careful how we walk, let's let the Bible drive that home to us. Okay? First and foremost, be careful to obey. Be careful to obey the Lord. This is a command that's repeated so frequently in the Old Testament. I have just a few passages up there, Deuteronomy 12, 28, 15, 5, 28, 1, 28, 13. It's repeated in Joshua, in Judges, in the Kings. It's repeated in the Psalms and in Proverbs. All through the prophetic literature. So common is this one. I could have put up hundreds of passages. Be careful to obey. Be careful to obey the Lord. Obedience is not something that we should just take for granted. It's something that we have to mark for ourselves. Bringing ourselves underneath of God as our Lord and King. Be careful to obey. Moms and dads, when you have to confront your kids about something, you've told them something to do and it didn't get done and you say why didn't you clean your room or why didn't you take care of the cats why, why didn't you do that moms and dad what is the most common answer our kids give to us when we ask them why they didn't do something what was it I saw I saw Helen say it what was it I forgot <laughs> I forgot. Oh. That's what this command is telling us adults who say that to the Lord. I forgot. God says, but I told you to be careful. I told you to be careful to obey. Number two. Luke 11, 34 and 35, be careful what you see. These are the words of Jesus. Be careful that the light inside of you turns to darkness because of what you allow to go through your eyes. And there is so much that we should not let into our eyes that we gaze. Be careful to obey. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you see. 
Again, the words of Jesus, Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 18. Be careful how you hear. There are hearers who listen with mixed motives, and the word takes root and it gets snuffed out. There's readers whose hearts are tightly packed and the message never gets in. There are readers who let the cares of this world choke out whatever fruit there is. And then there are listeners who hear the word and it produces a harvest of righteousness. And Jesus says, be careful what you hear. This is another one that Jesus says, Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Be careful to guard yourselves against covetousness. The rich young rulers come to Jesus. Jesus, how hard it is for a rich man. No, I'm sorry, this is, uh, this is after the parable of the rich man who had so much money and leisure, he didn't know what to do with it all, so he built bigger barns to replace his smaller barns, and he said, rest your soul, take your ease. Jesus said, be on your guard. Be careful. Be careful. Don't, don't let money get in there and color all your decisions. Don't let ease get in there and co- color all your decisions. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 13, be careful so your works will endure. He says there are some people who are working away in the church and they're building well on this foundation, and there's others who are coming in and for, their, for the purpose of their own glory, their own aggrandizement, for the purpose of their own selfish desires, they're doing work in the church. They want to be seen rather than served. Paul says that that will get burned up. It won't count for anything. Be careful. Be careful not to build that way, Paul says so that you're not robbed of your reward in the end. Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, be careful that your liberty doesn't harm another. Be careful that your liberty doesn't harm another. Friends, how pervasive is the opinion that that's their problem, not my problem? I, I don't have to limit myself because of their problem. And the Bible says, no, no. Be careful. Think of others first. Think of others first. Be careful that your liberty does not harm another. Be circumspect. Be thoughtful. Prefer one over another. Prefer a person over you. And then Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, says this. And how appropriate is it in our day that we'll close with this one. Be careful not to get swept up by evil trends. There are always fads. There are always movements. And we need to examine them all by the truth of God's word. And if we're not careful, they will sweep us away and it will come to us sounding so good and right and appropriate. And how can we not stand up to this? There's always something that will some evil fad, some evil trend, and Peter says, be on your guard so that you'll stand firm and not get swept away. Okay? 
children of light. We are children of light. If you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the light of Christ in you. You are no longer darkness. And that changes what you do. It changes how you think. And it ought to create a proactive thoughtfulness that works itself out in great care given over to how you live your life as light. There ought always be a prayer that we never outgrow. There ought always be a prayer that's always right in our hearts, and it is the prayer for wisdom. I find, I find that the world has an endless supply of examples that stump me. I, I never, I'm always being confronted with situations that I don't have a solution for. And every time I turn the corner on one, another one comes at me. And I know you guys are the same. And so we ought always be praying for wisdom and would understand the word and apply it and live it out in a truly authentic, genuine way that models the light. Let's pray. Father, would you give us grace as we, the children of light, seek to walk in the light and not in darkness. Help us not to give in to the pressure of this age to cover our light, but help us to live out our light as you would have us to do. For we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.